Hello, everybody. Welcome to Two Nuts in a Pod. I'm Lizzie. And I'm Emery. And today we've got a solo episode. There is nobody else in the studio. Just us. Just, just us, a couple of buds. Just us buds. Talking about our brains. We usually have a very special guest, but today we have literally nobody here. Well, yeah, but we're pretty special. We are. You know, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> that's you know, that's true. our low self-esteem talking. We are special. <laughs> That's very true. We are a couple of special buds. That's very true. And we like to do a solo episode every once in a while because, you know, then we can kind of dig into our own neuroses. Mm -hmm. Usually we rely on other people to, like, come talk about their feelings, but it's nice to just, like, require that of ourselves. Like, this is going to be my therapy for this week. Yeah, this will be, well, I'm in group therapy. I'm in an intensive outpatient program right now for every day of the week for four hours a day. So, but you know, this can be your therapy session though. I'm totally fine with that. I'm jealous you're getting a lot of therapy. I mean, I shouldn't be jealous because it came from a lot of pain, (laughs) but (laughs) it is emotionally exhausting. I feel quite tired once I'm finished and it's like at 1230 and I'm just like, Ooh, now it sounds like time for a nap. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's exhausting though. Are you still doing your walks with people? Yeah, I'm doing call them walking talks. Someone called them walkie talkies, and I kind of like that better. <laughs> Good old walkie talkie, and that's where I just I go on a walk with one other individual, and we talk, and we can talk about anything in the world. We can talk about mental health stuff. Anything it doesn't matter. Uh, just it allows me to be in that space and in that moment. You know, I'm not distracted by my phone or the internet or anything else. I'm just with that person, and we're outside as well. And even though it's 9,000 degrees outside, it's nice to be outside, I guess. I don't know. I'm not really a summer person, but it does force me to get out in the sunlight and see the world and be out in nature and talk with a good friend. Yeah, and I've recently found that my anxiety is a bit lighter when other people are around, Mm -hmm. which is kind of opposite of social anxiety, but... When it gets really bad, I just, it's so bad to be alone in my own brain. Yeah. That even if I'm anxious that someone else is around, it's still better than being alone. Oh, yeah. No, it's, it's definitely better than being alone. But before we continue, I yeah. have to get down to business. Yeah, we're a bunch of chatty Cathy's. <laughs> so we are 106, we're two nuts in a pod on 106.5 Forward Radio. You can listen to us also on forwardradio.org. That's anytime. Anytime you ever want to listen, you can listen to forwardradio.org. You can also find us on streaming services, iTunes, SoundCloud, CastBox, and Google Play. So for a variety of listeners, you can listen to us on a variety of services. And you can also find us on social media platforms, Facebook and Instagram. Facebook is spelled out, two nuts in a pod. Instagram is the number two, two nuts in a pod. And you can email us anytime at two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. We were still a podcast back in the day, and that's our email address still so two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com if you have questions if you want to talk about something you heard on the show if you've got input you'd like to add anything you can email us anytime if you want to send love letters to lizzie and hate mail to me whatever you want to do (laughs) we're more than happy to answer those in a timely fashion and that is the business yeah and the social media accounts are pretty fun because we'll post like some general just mental health stuff Mm -hmm. like stuff that we think's interesting that's us doing it that's us we're the the people behind the 
curtain. Yeah, we we are the wizard. <laughs> yeah, we don't have a we don't have a staff. That's for damn sure. <laughs> yeah, it is just us two. This is all volunteer. So, uh, yeah. So anything on social media that we're posting, uh, that is us. So definitely like us or follow us. That's what they do on Instagram. They yeah, follow, follow us. Follow us on Instagram, but like us. I guess you could like us and follow us on Facebook. Yeah, I think once you like something on Facebook, you follow it. Isn't I, that true? I don't really know. I don't yeah. know how it works with which posts you see on Facebook. It'd be nice if someone would email us and let us know like what the answer is to this question, because I actually <laughs> legitimately do not know. Yeah. But yeah, so that is the business. Took care of that real quick. Groovy. So... We are actually workshopping some new segments. So, you know, we were doing Roses and Thorns. We decided that let's do something else. Let's spice it up. Yeah, let's let's make it spicy. My first suggestion was that we were for 20 minutes we would just cry and wail. Yeah. So you would just hear us crying <laughs> on air. Uh, which we know that could be therapeutic for one or two people. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> the sounds of sobbing, gut-wrenching <laughs> sobs. <laughs> That would be very therapeutic. I, mean, I don't know if I could just turn it on like that, though. We'd have to maybe watch something sad. Yeah. Yeah, it would be hard for me to turn it on. So we watched something sad, like the first like 10 minutes of Up or whatever, that Pixar movie. So we watched something really sad, and then we cry a bunch. And honestly, I think people might like it. That would be the first time in radio history, maybe, that that's like a 20-minute segment of just two people crying. Let's do it. Let's just make history. <laughs> Let's make history. Although it's an interesting thing when people think of depression, they think of sadness, mm-hmm. but depression's actually more of a numbness. It's like yeah. a inability to process emotions, whereas I, anxiety will make me cry just because um, I'll be headed towards a panic attack and I'm yeah. like, it's just scary. Yeah, I, depression for me, the worst, I mean, when I'm like sad or crying or like something like that, I don't I don't cry that often, but it's... That's actually pretty good. It's when I feel very numb and very distant from any type of feeling. That's when it's actually legit kind of scary. And that's when I feel the most, like, deep in depression. And I guess it it works in kind of levels for me. But, yeah, lately it's been very much, um, you know, level 10 out of 10. So (laughs) that's what I've been dealing with. But, yeah, you want to talk about the new segments. We're we're not crying. All right. We're not going to cry. So, at least not right now. But uh, our first segment is going to be, how are you for real? So, when people ask you how you are, usually they just want you to say fine and move on. They're just being polite, but they don't really want to hear how you're doing. Yeah, they don't care. Because trust me, I've tried to tell people how I'm actually doing. They've respond very awkwardly. (laughs) (laughs) Or they just think I'm like a negative Nancy. Um, Yeah. Because, I mean, I feel crappy a lot of the time. I have anxiety and depression. It's like, I'm not going to lie and say that I'm good. So, how are you for real, mm-hmm. emo? Oh, you're okay. We're starting right now. <laughs> We're starting right now. <laughs> okay, how am I for real? So, I, well, there's so many emotions I have. So, I would not say fine, good, or okay. Because a lot of times I'll ask people that, and that's what they'll say. And I'm thinking, oh, I should push a little more and ask more questions. But I'm going to hold back. But today... Since this is our new segment, I have to share. Uh, I would say that, I guess for how I, how I am, I, I mean, this has been a really difficult time for me the past month. And the previous show that we had Amy Jewell as a guest, I talked about my uh, suicidal thoughts and hospitalization that occurred. That was very, very difficult for me. And, you know, it just, it's just a lot to process and a lot to deal with. 
and it's so many emotions and just it's just very very difficult and so incredibly exhausting so that that was that i'm still struggling with that for real i did have a panic attack just a few days ago and that was it felt paralyzing and i just felt like i had no control and i was alone when it happened and that just makes it even scarier yeah. So I just, you know, I had no one to lean on for support during that time. And that was, that was really frustrating and stressful. And so that just, that's just been kind of sucky for me. I and hate that you had a panic attack. I think they're just like the worst. Yeah. They're, they're very, they're quite terrible. You feel like you're dying. Yeah, I did. I felt like, I felt like I was dying and, and just endlessly suffering and just like couldn't figure out how to stop it. And it was like, a part of me was like, what are your mindfulness practices that you should implement during this time? I'm just like, I can't, I can't do anything. It's I'm, too late for that. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> oh, make sure you do lots of meditation. All the like, alarms are going off in my body. It's flight like, mode. What are positive coping strategies? And I'm just like, I have none. There are none. I'm literally trying to just to survive. Yeah. And that's kind of how I felt. So that was a little difficult, but also I've had, a lot of positive experiences lately with it as well. The walkie talkies have been wonderful, but also the group therapy that I've had through the intensive outpatient program has been wonderful. It is very refreshing and even somewhat liberating to be with individuals who get it. They've been through similar experiences. They understand what you're going through and they can provide support. They can provide advice. And those are people I want to hear advice from because I will say of something of my feelings and how am I really feeling? I do not like when I get advice from people who just haven't been through it, they're mm-hmm. like, well, why don't you just journal? It's like, <laughs> oh, you don't think I've journaled before? Or they're like, are you sure you're not happy? Have you seen a sunset? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Have you gone outside depressed. recently? Yeah. <laughs> like, yes, I go outside every day. I look look directly into the sun. <laughs> they're like, get a puppy. You can't be sad when there's a puppy around. It's like, sure you can. It is, it is wild, the unsolicited advice, especially during this time. There's been a few things that have bothered me. It's the unsolicited advice that I I just did not ask you for. And do you think I haven't tried literally everything? Right. Like, I've tried It's like everything. if people ask you, have you heard of Jesus Christ? It's like, yeah, I don't live under a rock. <laughs> but what? what? But now also, that you tell me about him, oh, oh, and, okay. And also, if you learn about him, your mental illness is gone. <laughs> yeah. And then other things would be like people that think it's just situational. So I was talking with a friend last night and she attributed it to, oh, well, you know, you went through, there's the coronavirus and there's the police brutality and civil unrest and protest. And I was like, yeah, so that just like is extra layers, but it's already there. Like it's been there for a long time. I wanted to look at her and be like, okay, like I'm literally in the major leagues for mental illness and you are on deck at a t-ball game. All right. Yeah. This is where we are right now. So you telling me this, that's not true. Cause me, this is an illness. There's no cure for it it's just something that requires extensive and ongoing treatment and it's insulting to me that you're even saying this stuff to me that's situational it feels dismissive doesn't it it's like we're all dealing with it it's like you are dealing with it in your own way but you're not getting hospitalized so it's different (laughs) it's extremely dismissive and it doesn't account for the fact that this is an illness that can be suffocating for people and it feels like someone is just constantly pushing down on my shoulders and I can't seem to get this person off of my shoulders and I want to isolate myself I feel alienated I feel ostracized and I just it sucks and so when someone does that it feels very dismissive it feels like they don't take it seriously and I just want them to go away bye don't tell me to journal or go out and look at the sun or buy a puppy um we don't need advice yeah we do not need advice unless you have depression then please tell me what works for you but if you don't have (laughs) depression i 
I don't think you can give me advice. And that was one good thing I learned at group therapy. This one individual, they gave advice. They gave something they did. It was basically they do a one through ten of how they're feeling. So one is okay and ten is the worst. And they give like what behaviors they show during one through ten. And then they gave what support they need during each stage. So they find their trusted partners, support network, whoever it may be. And they say, okay, when I'm at one, this is what I'm doing. I'm okay. Leave me alone. I'm at four. Mm, I might need a conversation. And this is the behavior I'm doing. If I'm at nine, this is what I need you to do. And so it lets people, it not only makes the person going through it feel empowered, but it empowers the people who want to support you and be there for you. So I was like, oh, that's good advice. Also, it's from someone who's been through this. So I really appreciate hearing that as opposed to like, just journal your thoughts. (laughs) Yeah. So it was, that was really enlightening. And so that was really helpful for me. So I guess how I'm feeling for real, that's, it's, you know, it's messy. It's not a clean slate. It's not good. It's definitely not great. It's not even really okay. It's so just have people been like, oh, you're better now. Yeah. I, I wrote a status about a Facebook post about uh, my mental health issues, having suicidal thoughts and being hospitalized. And then a subsequent post I, I wrote was maybe a few days later. And I said, basically like, Hey, I'm okay. And then, you know, but like, okay is not great. And then people were like, like, cause I was, you know, talking about group therapy and medication and stuff. And then people were like, Oh, he's better. <laughs> like, and I want to be like, yeah, this is like an ongoing war for me. That's been going on for, I mean, I first had suicidal thoughts when I was seven. So that's 26 years. Yeah. So it's, it's not like something that just goes away for me this time. I just kind of ignored some, a lot of the more significant signs and it escalated and worsened. And then I became where I am right now. But, uh, overall, yeah, just, you know, lots of feelings. Lots of feelings. How are you feeling for real? It's a lot. <laughs> okay. Wait, how am I feeling no, for real? Well, Lizzie, I got to ask you, right? Yeah. Hey, Lizzie. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> how are you feeling for real? Crappy. Okay. <laughs> um, no. So I actually feel okay today. I feel tired because I've had a pretty social weekend and sometimes that's really good for my mental health if I'm just kind of like I've socialized enough that I've tired myself out because I get like lots of affirmation from seeing friends but uh I will say too that one of the reasons today is good is I have not had to take an Ativan and uh, I have become very dependent on Ativan lately and what sucks about it is that Ativan it causes rebound anxiety. Mm-hmm. So if you take it one day, it makes you more likely to have to take it the next day. And like for, at for, some point you have to sit through discomfort. And for anyone that doesn't know what Ativan is. Do yeah, you know? it's a benzo. So it's like Xanax is the one is the benzo that a lot of people know about. Okay. Yeah. So it's just one of those and I take it and the anxiety has gone. So just imagine if you had a magic pill like that, mm. you know, it's instant and it's like, I've even had moments where I talk to my husband and I'm like, what would be wrong if I took this every day? But then I realized like it would eventually not be enough because I would build up an immunity to it. Probably Mm -hmm. I would be addicted to something that if I didn't get it, I would be in big trouble. Mm -hmm. Whereas right now, if I miss a pill uh, on my other stuff, it's like no big deal. Yeah. So I haven't taken it today, but like I'm kind of dreading, going back to my house to my dirty house it's really 
we had some people over, so, and I still haven't cleaned up from that. And the laundry is like overflowing in the basket Mm -hmm. to the point that I'm just like, I don't even want to start doing it. There's like so many tasks to do in the house and I don't want to do any of them. Yeah, I understand. And it's like, I get the Sunday scaries pretty bad too. So my anxiety kind of peaks on Sunday because I'm thinking about the work week Mm -hmm. or really just thinking about the week. You know, it's, it's the end of weekend fun times and now I've got to get back in gear. So yeah, I've got, I'm okay today. I would, I would rate rank it as okay. But I was thinking, so you talked about panic attacks. I've gotten them before for people who don't know, we should talk about the symptoms of panic attacks. Okay. So it's super fun. <laughs> so that's the first symptom. It's fun. So the the first symptom I get is usually feeling like my emotions are overwhelming. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it's almost like I can't even articulate my emotions because they're so overwhelming. Yeah. And it'll be like I'm crying and then suddenly I start crying harder and it's harder to breathe. Mm-hmm. And I've had bad ones before where my hearing got blocked up. It was really crazy. It was in college, too, where I was, like, really drunk, and there was definitely substances involved. But they can do lots of stuff. I mean, you get, like, your limbs can kind of go numb, get kind of tingly. Yeah, I, I definitely, I know my most recent one definitely felt tingly. Felt like I couldn't really talk. Like I, if I was going to talk to someone, I couldn't really form like coherent sentences that weren't severely fragmented. And yeah, I felt very much out of control with my emotions. Like it was just totally out of funk. And it, it, it and it felt like, and for that one in particular, at first especially, I just felt it, well. One, I was like triggered by something small, and I was triggered by like a text message. And, and that always worries me because I'm just like, great. I'm like triggered by something that's like not a big thing, but it just kind of escalates and it's like things just pile on. But my struggles was moving, feeling very tingly, feeling very, feeling very rattled. And yeah, just completely like, I just like sat on the couch in like a kind of a, kind of a fetal position, but with my legs kind of up. But I was also like, if, if my roommate comes in here, he's going to think like, is he having like a seizure or something? What is happening right now? So I didn't want to terrify him either, but I also hated being alone during that because I've had panic attacks before where I was with other people and it was like, okay, like they're helping me calm down, like all this, like this is helpful. But during, during that, it was very, very overwhelming for sure. It depends on the people too. There, if there's people around who aren't, aren't freaked out by it, mm-hmm. like maybe they've seen it before. Those are the best people to have around, like people who've experienced it. Or at least know something about it because they can help ground you, yeah. which is one of the things you can do. Just grounding techniques, you know, look, say five things that are around you, touch five things that are around you. Just mm-hmm. very simple. Yeah. There's also just the easy take it out of van. Boop. <laughs> That's been my uh, my thing lately. And just lately it's been like I I'm worried I'm going to get one because another thing about panic attacks, it's very, very unpleasant and it's scary. Yeah. So when it happens, you don't want it to happen again. And, but they tend to come in clusters. Yeah, for sure. So it is just scary. And sometimes people feel like they're going to die. They go to the hospital. And I had one like that where I just, I couldn't see very well. It was like my vision was blocking out. Um, Again, that one had to do with substances as well. But 
I would just remember crawling across the floor. I was at my friend's apartment and I just crawled, just crawling into the bathroom because I couldn't like, I didn't have the coordination to walk. Yeah. And I remember being really embarrassed. And then that kept building on itself. Mm -hmm. The fact that I was embarrassed that I was feeling like that. And I just had my head in the toilet bowl for like two hours. I, I felt so dizzy and so gross that I just couldn't. So there's a lot of different forms it can take. And that's another thing is it's like, is it a panic attack without some of the symptoms? Like, cause sometimes I don't get the shortness of breath. Yeah. Like sometimes it's just the emotions are overwhelming. I can't stop crying. And in my head, I'm, it's just piling on the anxiety keeps piling on that's something i've always wondered like because i'll hear of different symptoms and what people have experienced and i just wonder if it's okay like what is a panic attack and if it, is it something else so I, I would like to be able to identify exactly what it is and what i'm experiencing because generally i'll just be like yeah that felt like a panic attack and i've experienced that before it seems like it, it lines up measures of those symptoms but yeah not sure for some of the other ones especially if it doesn't have shortness of breath or tingliness or anything like that what that would be called exactly, but I, I think there is more of a range with the symptoms than people realize. Like, because I feel like there's a bad panic attack and a little panic attack. Mm -hmm. Like that's a thing. Big bear and little bear. Yeah, um, and the little panic attacks are they're still scary and they're still very unpleasant and they still feel terrible. But you you might not get you might not feel that you might not feel like you're dying. It's because the shortness of breath is what makes you feel like you're dying. You have, you like forget to breathe. Cause you're yeah. like, for some reason when you're in flight mode, you hold your breath. Yeah. I just held my mouth open. I remember I was doing that just kind of yeah. like shaking back and forth and like, yeah, I felt like I was just losing control completely and it was yeah a little overwhelming. Yeah, it is. And I do think it comes from just not being able to process what you're going through. Some people get them like have situational triggers, but some, for some people it's just generalized. Mine's just generalized. Yeah. I, usually there's nothing that set me off except my own brain. Yeah. My own brain was just like, Hmm, let's sprinkle a little panic in today. How would that feel? <laughs> this seems fun. <laughs> Ooh, just, a, just a dash. It's like, it's just making a new like dish or something for the first like dinner or whatever. It's just like, Ooh, I'll just, sprinkle a little more in there <laughs> yeah yeah it's if if the cap of the spice falls off then you know it's a bad one it's yeah. just all it all gets in there and your your meat tastes horrible or and whatever like, you're well, making this is what we got <laughs> yeah oh well, i'm sorry you just had one that's that's hard yeah well before we continue let's take a quick break and we'll be right back all right brb Two Nuts in a Pod is a program dedicated to talking about the real stuff. The stigma of mental illness, how we tend to our mental health, and how our brains define and empower us. Hosted by Lizzie and Emery, Two Nuts in a Pod can be found on podcast streaming devices such as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and CastBox. In addition to podcast streaming services, Two Nuts in a Pod is a proud member of Forward Radio. 065 WFMPLP is committed to broadcasting the voices of those groups and individuals in our community who are routinely ignored by the mainstream media promoting understanding and collaboration among diverse groups, supporting our efforts to network, organize, and strengthen our community and our democracy. 
Forward Radio is a volunteer-powered, listener-supported station, and we need your contributions. Just go to forwardradio.org to donate or get involved. So, we're back. <laughs> we missed you guys. Yeah, we really did miss you so much. Yeah, it was boring. So, the next thing we're going to talk about, kind of the meat of our episode today, is we're going to talk about fears. Mm, Things we are afraid of. Perfect. And and then we do have... There's an, so many. We do have another new segment coming at the end. True. We got two new segments today. Three today. Oh, yeah. We're workshopping a bunch of stuff. Yeah. So we'll do gratitudes at the end. Okay. We'll try to end on a positive note of things we're grateful for. But now we're talking about fear. Fear. Okay. So I've had this pretty much every time I have a really bad mental health break or um, a panic attack or something that makes me less able to function. I get this fear of like... I'll call it the point of no return. Mm -hmm. So I get this fear that at some point this flip is this flip, this switch is going to (laughs) flip and then, uh, I won't be able to go back to functioning. Yeah. I'm very, and I don't know why I'm so afraid of being less functional. I think maybe I pride myself on being high functioning. Mm -hmm. And so it feels like, it's going against the way that I build my self-esteem, but it's also just like, it doesn't feel good when you have to completely rely on another person to be okay. It doesn't feel good when like, I'm so, and I have been lately just so reliant on my husband, you know, he's been taking over a lot more stuff in the house, which is like, I mean, to be fair, he should do more around the house. Mm Mm-hmm. All the time. He's a friend of the show, though. We like him a lot. Yeah, we like him. And he brings lots of good things to the relationship. And uh, I think someone talked about it. I don't remember what show. It was on um, Armchair Expert. They did this series. It's Dak Shepard's show. And they Mm -hmm. did this series where Monica, it's Monica Loves Boys, um, where she has never had a boyfriend. And then there was also one of her gay male friends who had had a lot of like commitment issues or hadn't wanted to be, they basically both wanted a partner and were trying to like dig into their own neuroses. And Mm -hmm. one of the people who came on the show, um, and I can put this in the show notes, but uh, it was a great episode. One of the people who came on the show, they talked about how for every relationship, there's a price of admission. You decide when you partner up with someone the things that you're willing to let go because mm-hmm. nobody's perfect. Right. Yeah. I think our culture teaches us like rom-coms teach us that you just have to find the perfect person. Yeah. And it's impossible. And it's they're They don't exist. Mm-hmm. So the price of admission thing helps. It's like, yeah, I do a lot of the housework and the cooking. And for me, that's a price of admission I'm willing to pay because I get support from him in so many other areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's, it, it feels like, you know, I just try, I, I could get mad at it, but like, what's the point? Yeah. You know? And lately we've been buying things that are easy to cook so that uh, I can just throw it in the oven, like a lasagna. I'm telling you, if you ever want hacks for like food to cook when you're depressed, it might not be that healthy, but the... I mean, you, it's still, 
it's got to be nutritious enough. It's not just like fast food. Yeah. But like, there's lots of easy things you can get. Freaking hamburger helper, the beef stroganoff one. That's legit. Oh, I don't know that one. Oh yeah, stroganoff. You just buy like a pound of ground beef to put in there. Huh. And stroganoff is kind of a pain to make from scratch. You know, usually I'm the make it from scratch person. Yeah. But when I'm depressed, it's like, you just got to choose your battles. And yeah, for sure. I'll learn. I'll just pick. Okay, really easy things to cook. And then be gentle with yourself during those battles too, because you might be a person who's very high functioning and then has all these things you want to do. But it's also like, I mean, yeah, you're choosing your battles and realizing like I need to be gentle and understand that like I'm not in the best space to do all these things, and they're not. They're not. Ne- a lot of them aren't even necessary. So, yeah. And you just have to eat to live sometimes, yep. you know, sometimes you're, we all have all of this stuff about our diets that we're so concerned about what we put in our bodies. And yes, it can help your mental health a lot to be conscious of what mm-hmm. you put in your body. But when you're already past that point, yeah. if you're already in the thick of it, that's not the time to be making major life changes. Like I'm going to eat, I'm going to become vegan. <laughs> I'm going to eat healthier food. It's like, No. It's not the time to do it. Yeah, for sure. Well, I can, I can share. Yeah, a give fear. me a fear. Okay, I got, I got a lot. Uh, <laughs> everything, um, life, just, just the world in general. I would say for my anxiety, my fear is looking into the future, and that's with the coronavirus and what that means for mental health, and also what that means just for the future of our country and our relationships and everything. I, I'm assuming fall and winter will be worse. I am just banking on that. And I know that other people are like, oh, just live day by day and don't worry about that. But that's not going to work for me. Um, hi, have you met my anxiety disorder? <laughs> hi, I'm Emery's anxiety. <laughs> and that anxiety is telling me to worry about it and think a lot about it. So I have been thinking a lot about it. And even like, I was like, okay, here's what I should do. This is actually the... <laughs> and this shows my priorities. The first thing I was like, okay, maybe I should cut back on like Netflix and, you know, watching certain shows so I can save them for the fall and winter time period when we're we're quarantined and not able to see people. That is literally the first thing I thought about. Not like And people aren't making new stuff. Yeah, the people aren't making new stuff, so you got to have those shows saved up because I don't want to watch the same things over and over again. I mean, I do that already. But I don't really want to do that. So I know that's a kind of absurd thing for the first thing to think of. But I was like, hey, those are when I'm having like my brain breaks and just calming down and, you know, just chilling out. And I kind of want to just see something new. So I have thought about that. But just thinking about like, you know, the food I'll be eating and the dinners I'll be cooking and who I'll be seeing and who I'm communicating with. All those things just giving me anxiety. And like, and also just thinking of, um, you know, having anxiety with just relationships, too. Like if I think of dating someone, okay. I mean, one, like how, and how how do you go about that? Two is anybody like, cause I will say for single people during this time period, this is not an easy time period. This is not ideal. I mean, it's not ideal for a lot of people. It's not ideal for people living in poverty. It's not ideal for people living in abusive relationships. It's not ideal for anyone trying to maintain their sanity and their mental health. It's also really not ideal for people who are single and are just like, Hey, I want a partner and I'd like to start something with someone. And it's like, that's not really happening right now. So it just, you know, you're spending a lot of time working on yourself. And that's one thing I'm doing right now anyways, especially the my current situation and what I've been going through. So it's really important that I'm focusing very much so on myself as opposed to 
being like, ooh, I need a partner for some satisfaction and to improve my self-worth. Like, no, I need to work on my own stuff. So that's the anxiety for the future. And then depression, well, that's for thinking about now and thinking about, okay, if I get better, if I have a very strong support network, if I implement you know, all these coping strategies and mindfulness practices, if I'm active and doing all these things, if I'm, you know, super involved and moving on and moving forward and making progress, all that crap, is it going to come back? That's, that's, I have that fear of like, Hey, like this doesn't leave. And it just yeah. kind of sits there and it's waiting for me to, you know, maybe do a couple slip ups and see what happens. Oh, Hey, Emery, I'm your depression and I'm back. Let me put on this warm coat that feels so good because you're so comforted by it in some ways. But it's just, I I don't want to return to being hospitalized. Hosp- <laughs> good Lord. I don't want to return to being hospitalized. <laughs> just keep this. You don't just, even want to say the word because it's... Yeah. I don't want to go back to a hospital. You could keep it. That was kind of entertaining for me to do. <laughs> I, I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to that state of mind. I don't want to go back to where I'm hiding how I'm feeling with people. When people ask me how I feel for real, I don't want to be like, I'm okay. I'm good. Thank you. Goodbye. Because that was part of what precipitated the depression, right? Yeah, that, that, was, that was a huge factor. And I need to foster that support network and make sure I'm reaching out to people and make sure I'm doing all those things to make sure I'm able to manage my mental illness and to thrive, possibly thrive with my mental illness. But I always had that fear that it'll come back and it'll be stronger than ever before. And that's, that's really tough. I know that, you know, I've been hospital, 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 what in the world? Hospitalized. I've been hospitalized multiple times. We are trying today. (laughs) This is why we have guests. So we don't talk so much. Yeah. We actually are illiterate. (laughs) So (laughs) so I I don't want to go back to that. And I, I do have that really strong fear that's pulling me. And I have that strong fear of, of letting people down. You know, if I think of suicide and, you know, no longer existing here in, in this world, you know, who am I letting down? Who am I disappointing? Who am I, you know, what am I doing to other people? So it's just, it's all that fear built up and it's, it's really scary. And you're, you know, that I've always called it as the monster kind of inside of me being terrified of that monster being too strong and being a lot stronger than me. And I feel like I'm a very strong person because I've been fighting that monster for two plus decades. But whew, that is a tough, tough fight. And it's sometimes a fight that I just don't want to fight anymore. And you get better at it fighting it, but there's no, it's not like you can crack the code. Yeah. That's going to make you never have depression again. Yeah. Like it's wired into our genes. Like it's always going to be a possibility. I mean, I would Maybe love it'll that. get further apart. Yeah. I mean, if anybody, email me if you've got a cure for depression. But If you've got the code, please share yeah, with us. Share that code. Like, we will host the mental health pot, like radio show without having mental illnesses. <laughs> like, we're okay with that. Yeah. I, I would I, still talk about it. We'd I, have enough experiences to go off of anyway. Yeah. I would, so, yeah, if you have that code, please share it with us. Email us, two nuts in a podcast at gmail.com. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Help us. Okay, well, I've got another fear, um, okay. and this is a big one that I think listeners were will, will, bit that listeners hospitalized will, <laughs> <laughs> listeners will relate to, hopefully, and it's that I have this fear that my friends will stop liking me. So I know it's completely the social anxiety, 
but I have this feeling that I'm constantly performing friendship for people and that because I'm an imperfect person, I don't perform it well all the time. Mm -hmm. Nobody does. Yeah. But I have this feeling that it's like people's feelings for me are conditional, like highly conditional. And that if I step out of any boundaries, then they're going to decide, no, she sucks. Like, I just think, and it's a low self-esteem thing where I think that the people who like me, I've just given them, I've shown them the right picture. I've given them exactly the, the side of me that I want them to see, but I hide those like real sides and those like more difficult things and, and just negative emotions. I try to hide it from people when I'm like getting to know people, especially like when people have been my friends for a while, or maybe they're my friends through my husband or through my sister, who's like this big social butterfly. I feel a little bit safer with those. Cause yeah. I feel like, yeah, it's convenient for them to like me cause mm-hmm. they like this other person. Yeah. But when I like make friends on my own, I am very protective of like, I'm very protective of my image around them because I, I want them to like me. Usually yeah. I think they're really cool and I want them to think I'm cool. You're maybe afraid of scaring them off. Yeah. Oh yeah. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah. It's, it is weird to, I mean, now, since we have this show, I talk about it all the time. I'll be at a cocktail party and I'll just be like in the corner with someone talking about bipolar. So <laughs> at so, first I thought you were just going to say in the corner talking to yourself. <laughs> yeah, talk, well, if it gets bad, let me tell you. <laughs> Yeah. Now I talk about it so much now, but it still doesn't mean that people know because anxiety and depression, it also means you're not going to perform. You can't give people what they need. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's not, it's not always cute. Yeah. Uh, like depression, like there's a whole manic pixie dream girl thing. It's not sexy. It's not actually sexy. It's actually really painful and typically you're not showering. So it's just like physically just not yeah. I, I shower less when I'm depressed, but, and I don't take as good care of myself. So it's like, it's not cute. I've never been like super depressed and just think, you know what? I'm really sexy. <laughs> yeah. Look at me right look now. Look in the mirror, just like you handsome devil. <laughs> You're sad, but you are so handsome. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't know. I think it's the manic pixie dream girl, or there's just something where, people romanticize the emotions. Well, I mean, that was one of the problems with like 13 reasons why is they were worried that people were going to romanticize suicide. Mm -hmm. And I think overall, I think the show did a good job. Like, I think that it, it was important to get those messages out. Yeah. Even though it's problematic, the, the basic part of the storyline that someone would make a tape that basically blames everyone Mm -hmm. for their suicide. There's only one person to blame and it's depression. Yeah. But, you know, it's believable with teenagers. Yeah, for sure. I'm bringing a lot of pop culture references today. Hey, yo. (laughs) (laughs) Look at me. Uh, Yeah, but... And I I do have a point where people become safe. Yeah. And then I'm not worried about it anymore. So it's like the people who, um, again, are like connected with me through like multiple, like very connected to me or just people I've known for a long time and have been close with. So like, you're a safe person because Whew, I made the cut. <laughs> yeah. Cause I like bear my soul to you once a week. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I definitely, I have the safe people in my life. 
the people I feel like I can have those conversations with. And there's, there's definitely, I feel like there's levels of that safety net. And I, um, yeah, there's some people that I feel very comfortable and there's some people that I'm just like trying to save face and I don't ever want to have those conversations with. And I, you know, not only fearing that I scare, that I'll scare them away, but also fearing that like, oh, they like me or they're into me or they're in love with me. Like I'm going to lose them. Like there's no way they're going to stick around for this monster. And I find that a lot of times people are actually very understanding and can relate in a lot of ways too, or in some ways at least. So yeah, I've, I've definitely struggled with that. Even like with relationships and dating thinking like, wow, I can't even imagine someone liking me. Like, do they even know me? <laughs> and then it's they like get... that, you know, Groucho Marx thing. It's like, no, you don't want to be part of a club that would have you as a member. Huh? It's like a low self-esteem thing. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's definitely a thing I've struggled with, and but I, I can understand where you're coming from as far as yeah, just losing friends, scaring them away, uh, and just like you know making mistakes and being like, oh well, I've ruined everything. Like I think you said uh, off the air, like you were like if you were late to something, like scaring them away. Yeah, or... the smallest things. Or for me, it's usually that I was anxious or yeah. depressed while I was around them, and therefore. Like, if I was depressed around them, I think they think I'm a total dud. They think I'm so boring because I didn't have anything to say. Yeah. Or if I'm anxious around them, it's like, oh, they don't think, they think I'm just, like, too much. Or they think that I'm mean because I'm acting this way towards them. Because, like, sometimes I feel like I can come off aloof when I'm actually just, like, really anxious. Because mm-hmm. I, I just can't, like, articulate myself very well. Yeah. So yeah, afraid of people not liking me. I'm afraid of uh, one thing, and I, I didn't. I just thought of it now because I was talking with a friend during one of my walkie talkies, and they talked to me about trauma bonds, mm-hmm. and uh, I hadn't really heard about that before. But it's just that bond or connection you have with someone that you've experienced something traumatic with, and how a lot of times it might be important to cut that person out of your life. And I just thought about that now of like an individual that's who connect who is connected to me in life and who's kind of toxic and really wears me down and kind of gaslights me in some ways and does things that I don't really like. And it's like, should I continue this? Like, this is just like, we're just bond bonded by this traumatic experience. And like, why am I doing this to myself? So I sometimes wonder about that. And that's a little fear I have is like, you know, am I, am I going to just going to like let people do that to me or continue those type of relationships or whatever? I don't have very many of those type of relationships, but it's a little fear with just that one particular person's like, am I going to keep doing this? And it's afraid of like, well, afraid of if I cut them out, like what will happen? And then afraid if I keep them in, what will happen? So it's just as that underlying fear and that anxiety and depression kind of mixed together. Yeah. I've never heard of trauma bonds before, but that's really interesting. So like, is the main idea that you are locking yourself in to like a negative cycle. I think with so. That yeah. Person. Yeah. Like a bad thing happened. Like, you know, like every action movie, people get thrown together and then the yeah. worst thing in their life happens, but they end up making out at the end. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> yeah. Is that a trauma bond? <laughs> yeah. Kind of like, yeah, you go through, yeah, go through some traumatic experience could be so many different things, but like, you know, you probably should have cut that person out of your life or like, you know, parted ways somehow. And you haven't, and you, and that trauma gets brought up like, you know, annually or some other time or whenever it's triggered somehow and that bond continues, but that bond is, is maybe super toxic and not helpful for you as a person and maybe not helpful for them as either, either. So it's just, uh, yeah, it's something I've 
struggled with a little bit and just thought of now, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of like, um, when you're making a new friend, if you're only bonding about stuff you don't like, mm-hmm. that's not going to be a great foundation. Yeah. Like eventually you're going to have to find things you both like and you're otherwise you're going to get stuck in like, I've had relationships like that where, you know, we bond on this, like, you know, negative stuff that we both feel. And then it's the whole relationship. Yeah, exactly. It's just like us, you know, complaining to each other. It's like, well, that's, you need something more to sustain a relationship. You need some happy stuff. I like talking about fears. Me too. Okay. So another one of mine is I'm, I'm afraid of awkwardness and I'm especially afraid when I'm the source. I think that I'm the source of it. I always think I'm the source of it. (laughs) I think that I'm the most awkward human on the planet and everybody is better at socializing than I am. So that's like the myth that I'm walking around with is Mm. that I'm extremely awkward. And so I have to cover that up and I'm afraid of awkward moments. And I try to tell myself this when I'm really anxious that it's just like, I, you know what? Worst thing, I'll be embarrassed. That's the worst thing that's happened yeah. is that I'll be embarrassed. And as long as my ego's in check, like, well, who cares? Who cares if I'm a little bit embarrassed? Mm-hmm. But I have these moments like I remember from high school that are just cringy. And it's because I was humiliated because in high school, like emotions are so ramped up and the way people see you and your image is so ramped up. But yeah, I'm, and I'm afraid the same thing about people not liking me that like, if I'm awkward around them, that they're going to see how awkward I am and then be like, Ooh, just kidding. You are a weirdo. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know about her, but the thing is like, here's what I tell myself. A conversation always has at least two people. Well, I guess you could talk to yourself, but it wouldn't (laughs) wouldn't be much of a conversation. So you're never solely responsible for how awkward something is. Yeah, that's true. There's always other things in the equation. So I try to tell myself that. That's one way I get around the fear. Unless you are talking to yourself. Unless I'm talking to myself. And then that's a whole other kind of awkwardness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very, very true. I uh, don't know if I had any more fears. Well, I got fears for days. Panic attacks was one of my fears. When you're actually... I, I do, I think... Part of my Ativan dependency right now, I haven't had a panic attack in the past two weeks, but I've had a lot of symptoms that feel like they're going in that direction. Like my heart will start beating really quickly and I will maybe be like a little bit short of breath or not even that. Usually it's like I just have overwhelming emotions and I think, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, I have to take a magic pill so I don't have this panic attack. In reality, I've had like a handful of of real panic attacks in my life, but yeah, I'm just always afraid. It's like I'm more. I make it into a bigger thing than it is. Like mm-hmm. I, I was thinking this week, I was like, you know what? I wish I would just have one because I think I'm turning it into this like giant scary. Yeah, I'm turning. I'm giving it way too much power. power. Yeah, and it's like, you know, yeah, it sucks. But it's like, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's definitely not the worst thing in the world. It's not starvation. It's not torture. I mean, it's unpleasant and can be scary. Mm -hmm. But, you know, being afraid of being afraid 
you know, what I was talking about, I think last episode, just like having meta emotions mm-hmm. are really unhelpful. Yeah. Because the emotion's just there. You're already dealing with it. So don't have to deal with feelings about the emotion. Just like accept it. I do have another oh, one. good. So one more fear for myself would be just in general, letting people in. And that was something I've struggled with, especially when I'm actually am suicidal or going through a really deep depression state is I will isolate myself and just not let people in. I won't let people know and see the real me because the real me is vulnerable and filled with a lot of shame and some guilt and, you know, filled with some stuff in my history that makes me really sad and frustrated. And there's anger in there. There's bitterness. There's all sorts of emotions that are complicated and messy and ugly and letting people in is showing that vulnerability, showing some sign of weakness. And it scares me at times. And I know when I let people in, I'm rarely disappointed. I'm usually quite happy that I did. Yeah. And it usually creates a much stronger foundation of a relationship and it, it, it brings joy to me, but initially letting people in terrifies me. And that's something that I have struggled with my entire life. I have built up a, a wall around me to protect myself and to keep others out from seeing what's inside of me. And, but whenever I do, I often find that they're very receptive and that they're very appreciative of that. And that also they can relate and connect with me on a deeper level. Well, and I've, I had, it's hard to know when your intuition is telling you this isn't a person you, you can count on. Like sometimes I think I do have intuition about people that I'll notice that I keep dodging them or avoiding more like intimate hangouts with them. And sometimes I end up finding out like, Oh, that was just like a personality thing. Mm -hmm. That person does not make me feel safe. It does not make me feel good. If I'm not wanting to be around them at the beginning of the friendship, that's not going to change later for sure. But yeah, it's, um, I think it's, we are culturally trained to do that. Like to not let people in or only let them see the good stuff. And I've had friendships where it takes someone a couple of years to get past that exterior with me. Yeah, for sure. Because it takes that long to trust that they actually like me. I want to get to that unconditional liking phase with everyone. <laughs> just like, you know, with people I'm close with, like that I just would stop. But it happens even with my family sometimes. I'll be like, oh, my sister's going to think I suck. And I'm like, no, she's not. <laughs> like, yeah. She is predisposed to want to like me. It's biological. Mine is thinking I'll be a burden or I'll be a bother. And they're already going through other things. I don't want to add more to their plate. And I, that's a, that's a work in progress. And it's this work in progress that I plan to be gentle with myself in regards to, because I understand that I'll slip up and make mistakes and revert back to it, but it's okay. And that I just need to keep my mind and focus on letting people in. And one thing that's helped me with that is realizing that, when you show people imperfections, they actually like it. Yeah. It makes them feel relieved. It's like last time you went to someone's house and it was messy. Didn't you feel a little relieved? Yeah. It was kind of nice. It was like, oh, they're just letting me in and they're so just open about it. And yeah, it's like when somebody's like confident in their imperfections mm-hmm. that you'll put up with a lot of stuff. But it's like, yeah, when the problem is not being confident and hiding it. Yes, very true. Uh, okay, so our final segment today is Gratitudes. Hey, yo, we got so many new segments. Yeah. We're, we're wild today. Yes, we are. It's a fun day. 
aside from being sad and anxious, it's a fun yeah. day. <laughs> yeah, and cross your fingers that I don't need Ativan again today because I really don't want to. So I'm grateful, right? I've got a couple gratitudes. Mm -hmm. um, I am grateful that I have a job where I can work from home. And I have to keep reminding myself that I'm grateful for that Yeah. because I just really, right now I feel like I'm so unproductive and it just makes me feel crappy, but I have to remember like, this is better than being unemployed oh, for yeah. sure. Yeah. No, this is, I mean, I definitely feel that too, where it's just, it's, it's a lot working from home so much like that. And yeah, you do feel sometimes like, oh, I didn't really get much accomplished, but I, I realize how many other people are in the same boat. And then also like, this is a struggle. Like we're going through a, a pandemic. Like, yeah. So there's that. And then I'm also grateful for my psychic. So I wanted to share Ooh. with folks that in the past, I would probably be way too cynical to try something new like this, but Emery's sister, friend of the show, Katie Ganger, um, yeah, friend of the show. She has a practice called healing within that she founded with this person I'm seeing, this psychic medium. And Katie just sang her praises so much. And I, something about a therapist, like putting weight behind that, yeah, just made me think about it differently. And I was like, I mean, if it works, it works. And it, it works for me. Mm -hmm. Like, it, I feel like I, it was nice to have her first session with her. It felt like further than I've gotten with therapists that I saw for years. Wow. Because it just immediately felt seen and understood. Mm -hmm. And I don't care what, how she did that. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I can totally, you know, I, I kind of am starting to believe in it more now just mm -hmm. because there's been so many like things that she picks up on that I think, yeah, she's got, and it seems like the whole thing is there's like spirits communicating with her. That's the medium thing. Yeah. But yeah. she's got her own spirits and I have mine and they, they give her information about yeah. me. But even if I didn't believe that, I'd probably still go. Yeah. Because it helps. Anything that works. And she gave me some crystals and don't know if they're, they're helping either, but I just hold them in my hands when I'm like watching TV and stuff. And sometimes it just makes me feel calm. It's like something tactile. And also we'll, we'll try anything. <laughs> I will absolutely try anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, uh... I'm really, really happy for you for both those. Those are both great. Uh, my gratitude, my gratitude time is I've got little, two little ones, my walk and talks, my walkie talkies, of course. And I've mentioned those before. Those have been fantastic to connect with another person outside, doing an activity, being very much in the moment. That's been really, really nice. And considering with coronavirus and just trying to maintain safety, this has been a nice, safe activity to do, a relatively safe activity to do with an individual and just connect on a deeper level. And it can be talking about whatever, or it can be talking about stuff that is really deep and serious. And I've been on like seven or eight of them now. They're just walking with everybody. And it's been, been really nice. And people reached out. I told people to reach out, ask them to, and they did. And I really appreciate that. Very grateful for that. And then my second one is I saw family members yesterday. And, you know, we maintain social distance, be safe and everything. But just seeing the smiles of not my oldest niece was not there, but my other niece who's three and my nephew who's five, just seeing their smiles and seeing how happy they were. And just, you know, they were playing in a pool and it was just them two in a pool together. 
and their brother and sister, and they just were having such a great time. And they're they're the children of Katie, friend of the show, mm-hmm. and they were just so happy and just having a fun time and splashing each other. And I was like, this is really really nice to see. I didn't, and I've just been in such a down funk that like it's hard for me to see anything positive and bright and happy. And then I just saw that and I was like, I really really like this. This is nice. I like I like how happy they are and that they're playing and having a good time and they love each other and that they love us and love me unconditionally and just like it's a it's a great feeling. Also, yeah. Charlie got naked during it, so he <laughs> was just like I, that guy. I guess it's just his thing where he's just like I'm gonna take my clothes off, which sounds like his uncle. It does. But Charlie just gets naked for the sake of getting naked. Like I am was to punish my sister. Yeah. When I was a child, but um, yeah, it was it was really nice to see that. So that was cool. Yeah, some things are. No matter, they can cut through the depression. Yeah. And I think, yeah, having, I think kids can do that. And I think also, like, just the fact that they're kids and members of your family. That was, you, their happiness is so satisfying to you. Yeah. That it can break through. And that's great. It was really nice. I like gratitude session. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. (laughs) Well, I hope that everybody liked our new segments. Um, We'll keep them going. Some of them, a couple of them at least. Uh, we'll add the crying one. Yeah, we'll do the the wailing <laughs> segment. So look out for that. <laughs> and that's you know that's it. Keep talking about your feelings. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to Two Nuts in a Pod on Forward Radio. Please keep in mind that we are not mental health professionals, and all of our opinions are based on our personal experiences. If you'd like to speak to a trained professional, call National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-TALK. That's 1-800-273-8255. The crisis line is available 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Original theme music for Two Nuts in a Pod was composed by Neil Lucas.